You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Oh, Jabba. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm your host, Ryan. Force Friends Rewatch is a podcast where we discuss Star Wars television shows. Yes. We are currently covering Rebels Season 1 and are on Episode 2. But before we get into that, Ryan has 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 a question. I do. I do. So in this hypothetical... Uh, your very best friend is getting married in a galaxy far, far away. And the duty falls on you to plan their bachelor party. Cool. Where do you have it? Well, shit. Yeah. That's a very good question. Thank you. Best place to have a bachelor party in Star Wars. I feel like the obvious answer is uh, Canto Bite. Who's going to pay for it? But yeah, I'm, I'm much <laughs> too poor for that shit. Um, Just do some war profiteering and you'll be golden. Yeah, I can s- <laughs> illegally sell, or I guess legally sell some weapons. And uh, then maybe I can afford it. There you uh, go. What's your answer? It depends a lot on the friend, but probably Coruscant because there's something there for everyone. But again, I could see that getting expensive. So maybe Naboo, because you could do some sort of interesting, fun nature expedition and then get wine drunk by the lake. Yeah, I I think, like, my first answer would be Naboo. I'm only friends with queer people. Uh, you're, like, my one hetero friend, Ryan. So, so like, shopping in, like, at Naboo would be incredible. Like, Naboo oh, yeah. is known for, like, its fashion and its food and its wine. Uh, maybe Alderaan before it got, you know, blown up. If it was, like, a cis friend, like a cis straight friend, <laughs> maybe, like, Jedi hunting with some, uh, Trandoshans. <laughs> is that what, is that what the heteros do? They, That's they hunt? That's basically how it goes, yes. <laughs> right? Is that, is that what, is that what y'all do for fun? I don't know. You're Not only... you, obviously, you're, 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 you're vegan, but... Yes, your um... only straight friend is a psycho vegan, <laughs> so I don't even know. But that sounds about right. Yeah. That's my best guess. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I guess we would both do Naboo. But Naboo, yeah. Party on Naboo. Yeah. All right. Good. We're on the same wavelength there. Fun question. So... Thank you. I was going to say, if you're wondering who would DJ the bachelor party, well, maybe our answer is in this episode, sort of, even though he doesn't do any DJing in this episode. Hell yeah, because this episode is rad. Yes. So we watched episode two of season one of Rebels, which was titled uh, Droids, right? Droids in Distress. Droids in Distress. Droids in Distress. Clearly, I do our homework here. (laughs) So this episode. Opens in uh, again very Firefly ish way. Oh, the yeah. ghost is running out of fuel, needs parts. They got to do a job quick. 
Uh, Kanan and the crew are not happy about it, but they decide to do a job with Visago, get some some crates, some sketchy sketchy weapons for him. Mm-hmm. They have to essentially ride Star Tours the ride. <laughs> yes, they do. Separate Minister Tula from her dealer, her weapons dealer that she's like talking yeah, with. Yeah, that's basically Amduabo was his name. That's basically his role. Yeah. And then get the weapons and get out. Uh, there's some hijinks though because R2D2 and C3PO are translating for Minister Tula. And there's lots of fun shenanigans that happen. Also, some sweet Star Wars, uh, or sorry, Star Tours. Uh, little 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 bits with Rex there. Oh yeah, and the job mostly goes off without a hitch for I mean, the most part. More or less successful, but they end up getting R two and three PO. Three uh, PO is not game for this. R two is like this is rad. Like look at oh, these yeah. look at these scruffy rebels that I've fallen in with. Three PO is very upset though. And during the the arms deal with Visago, 3PO contacts Agent Callus from the Ghost. There's also a lot of backstory with Zeb and finding out that uh, a large portion of the Lasats were were murdered by uh, these sort of weapons, these disruptor rifles. And uh, episode ends with. Zeb having an excellent showdown with Agent Callus, in which Zeb is rescued by Ezra, and the the ghost crew give 3PO and R2 back to Bail Organa. And that's the that's the episode. At least yeah. all the big beats. Yeah. So, and it's it's really where Zeb becomes a character. Like it's it's where he has dimension beyond being purple and mad. Yeah, he he's still going to be played for a lot of comic relief throughout the series, but this is oh, sure. the first episode that shows like he is more than just the the drunk uncle. He's more than just the whiskey uncle. He he has some pain that he's dealing with and some survivor's guilt that he's wrestling with. Oh, majorly. What uh what did you like in this episode? What stood out to you? I love R2-D2. He is one of my top three favorite Star Wars characters. Um, I love the idea that he is the narrator because he's been a part of every story worth telling. And this was a really good way, not the last way, but the biggest way that they looped him into the story of the Ghost Crew. And it sort of legitimized this as Star Wars for me when I first watched it. Spark of Rebellion was fun. But this was where it became Star Wars, and that's that's really what stands out to me. Yeah, any any time R two and three PO can be in a Star Wars property and it feel natural, I'm all yes. for it. I know some people were like real whiny about them in Rogue One. I think it would have felt weird if we didn't see them at all. Yes, I may have put them in a different spot. I might have put them yeah. on Tantivy at the end, but. Yeah, but like they should they should be at the Yavin base. Why wouldn't they be yeah, at the Yavin base? Uh and so having them show up here in you know a role that that made sense. 3PO was there to translate and Bale sent R2 along to spy on the Imperial weapons deal. Like 
That yeah. makes perfect sense. Bail Organa is very smart. And, um, you know, it was a good excuse to then have them meet the ghost crew. I thought it was solid. Oh, totally. And it's interesting to see in this era when, like, 3PO genuinely doesn't know that there's a rebellion. Yeah, he's 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 maybe not the brightest droid. Yeah, he speaks six million forms of communication, but uh, <laughs> he's got no idea that the people he works for are leading the rebellion. Oh, oh gosh, man! Yeah. But then again, I guess it's not a rebellion yet. Like, no, we don't see the alliance form until what season three of this show. Yeah, that's really when it becomes an alliance. But there already is, yeah. I mean... There are tiny cells out there, yeah. But I think this might be when Bale becomes aware of our main rebels from the show. Yeah, he's definitely in communication with Phoenix Cell. And we're going to learn later from Hera that she has been taking jobs from phoenix cell there's an yes. episode later in the season with hera and sabine and we find out that hera is like more involved with the alliance than anyone else on the crew but yeah bail probably doesn't know personally about these people yet yeah i i because at the end when he talks to r2 which that is a brilliant scene um i i yeah i felt like that was he was genuinely asking R2, like, what's up with these people? I love Bail Organa. Oh, he's brilliant. Rex was great, too. Very fun. Yeah, absolutely. This was not the Captain Rex that I was itching to see in the show at that point, but it was a Captain Rex I wasn't expecting to see. <laughs> I had his action figure, and I'm very, I'm very upset that it is likely... Something that I will never see again. It is uh, somewhere in my parents' house. Uh, that Maybe is in the trash. Yeah. But great character. Super fun. fun yeah. Fun little cameo. He is... Uh, I can't verify this, but maybe someone can. Um, it's not at the Galaxy's Edge in California, but at the one in Florida, I guess there is like some sort of crash site that is visible or hinted at that's like one of these speeders that has crashed on Batu, and that's why he's the DJ there now. I don't know. There is a, yeah, no, I love, I love every time Rex pops up. He's such a weird little oddity of Star Wars, but he's, he's fun. I love when he flips his little sunglasses visor down in the episode. <laughs> these are Imperial <laughs> regulations. Oh my God. That's very good. Yes. Great Agent Callus stuff, as always. You find out more oh, about yeah. him. And there is there is no clue that he's going to join the good guys. Oh, like, no. when he When he yells Lasat and, like, he's got crazy eyes. He is oh, frothing yeah. mad. I hated him after this episode. Yeah, he's a dick. Yeah, right up until I wasn't supposed to anymore, I hated him. Which is, he was, yeah, I I do kind of think his turn comes out of nowhere a little bit, but this was, this was a good way to establish that enmity. Yeah, I mean, you really have no idea that he is eventually going to 
within the span of a season and a half join mm-hmm. the good guys, which is oh yeah, it's cool to see it happen. Uh, it's it's maybe you can say whether or not it's earned, but it's cool that in these early episodes you have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think in time he does earn it to a degree. I mean he. It does seem a little odd with his later sort of statement that it was never supposed to be a massacre on Lasan. How, like you said, how he screams Lasat and how he just seems very, he seems to hate them. I think part of that could be that he's trying to convince himself, like he's been telling himself the Imperial lies that like they did it they were traitors or whatever they deserved it so like he could be trying to convince himself of like his own propaganda that's very true i do think that he probably does hate lasat because of the one that he took the bow rifle from like he probably thinks all lasat are like the 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 one that he fought and killed personally but that is a good he, point when he's bragging about the the massacre and it was his decision to use the uh, disruptors, um, he could be just spewing the lies and trying to convince himself of them. That makes sense, yeah. I never thought of it from that perspective, but I, I do, yeah. Yeah, because it, it does seem contradictory to what we later see of Callus and his regrets there. Like, here he seems all in. Yeah, he was one that I never predicted that I would like as much as I like. I love that. I love that. Good, good former Imperial. Yeah, he is a good dude. Do we do we want to talk about the the Lasat in the room? And by that, I mean the the eventual uh, romantic tension between Callus <sighs> and Zeb. Of course, any, we do. Any any hints of that here? Uh, none. Honestly, I did not get any at all. I'm not one to see gay relationships and everything I watch, (sighs) but if you were to ask me by the end of Rebels, does Callus and Zeb have the same romantic tension as Jin and Cassian? I would say more so. Oh, definitely more tension. We don't see... Jin and Cassian ever confirmed on screen. That's very but true. But everyone just accepts that they're in a relationship and that they love each other. So yeah, if, never... if they're if they're the standard for are these characters together, even though we don't see it. <laughs> That's are Zeb and Callus together, even though we don't see it by the end of Rebels? Yeah. Oh, by the end of the show, absolutely. They're, yeah, they're they're they get married. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they Legolas and Gimli off to the Undying Lands <sighs> together. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I don't see Jin and Cassian at all, really. But Zeb and Callus is a given, I think. Yeah, I personally don't see Jin and Cassian either. Um, yeah, I, I thought Baze and Chorit were definitely married. They they really felt oh, like yeah. an old gay couple. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was queer baiting or queer coding. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, but. I left Rogue One being like, yeah, I loved the, I loved the, like, understated romance. <sighs> and my straight friends were like, 
oh, Jin and Cassian, yeah, they're so cute. And I was like, <laughs> what? And all my queer friends were like, yeah, Bays and Short, right? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could definitely, I did not, to be honest, I, I didn't see either the first time I watched it, but after having That's both- That's because you're homophobic. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. After, but after they were both explained to me, I still don't, see where people get tension with Jin and Cassian, but Baze and Chirrut, that's there. And Callus and Zeb, yeah. I would say after season two with that one episode on Geonosis, it was it was debatable. But by the end of season four, like it was there. Yeah, I wonder if that wasn't canon because of a you know, it's on Disney XD, it's a kid's show, we can't expose children to queer healthy relationships so we just won't say anything or if uh, yeah like well they barely they barely even show kanan and hera though so i don't that's true yeah i mean yeah i don't know channel has has definitely i i believe i may have this backwards but i believe disney channel skews slightly younger with their demo and yet they've had like same-sex parents and stuff on their live action series. So I'm not sure. Having, having parents of a character show up and have like a 30 second scene and they just so happen to That's both true. be women or just so happen to both be men That's is not, different than yeah. making two main characters. That's very true. Yeah. It could have been network meddling, which would be really yeah. sad, but. It's okay though. They're, they're great. And uh, we, we see them fight each other. <laughs> which to be fair, this is exactly how I met my fiance was um, <laughs> I had massacred his people. And then we had an honor duel using our, our electric lightning sticks. <laughs> that sounds weird, but yeah, so it's, it's the start of every same sex relationship. I feel like he might tell the story a bit differently. I didn't know about the, the electric light sticks. That part I hadn't heard. Yeah, our 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 we had a couple honor duels before we before we started dating, and and each one of them was more epic than the last. That's wild. Yeah. Becca and I met at a comic book convention. That's how straights <laughs> mate. <laughs> we we also met at a comic book convention. We met at oh New York God, Comic Con. Right. Oh, right on! I actually didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. They let they let you do electric stick fighting over genocide at New York Comic Con. I thought that that yeah. might violate the weapons policy. My God, they side eyed my lightsaber. That's wild. This uh, <laughs> yeah, this was a while ago before their weapons policy got really strict. Now oh, you, understood. Now you just have to use like LEDs. You can't even use real uh, real electricity anymore. I'm gonna get political. Electric lights, lightning sticks don't kill people. Big gay purple panthers kill people. <laughs> <laughs> rare hairless bookies kill people rare hairless bookies there it is oh man yeah this is this is force friends rewatch taking a hard stance on, and i oh, just yeah. want to remind people that we are only a show about star wars television so that whole tangent on rogue one just you know just we only talk about star wars television we don't talk about the movies we're not even allowed to acknowledge Rogue One exists until that TV show comes out. <clears throat> oh, fuck. I'm so excited for that TV show. You know, we could do like a four hour holiday special on my opinions on why 
Mandalorian should have been the movie and Rogue One itself should have been an eight episode television series. But I don't want to subject Ooh. anyone to that. That's a spicy take. If you ever have to wait in line with me at Galaxy's Edge, you will be subjected to an hour and a half of that nonsense. I am so sorry I, to everyone that's hurt. I will be in character the entire time on that <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> so I'll better, just be like, oh, you the mean the documentary? Yes. Yes. That's that as it should be, honestly. But yeah, back to this episode. Um, Real talk, though, if Melshi isn't, if Melshi and Pal aren't in the Cassian show, we oh, riot. they have to be. Yes, I agree, a hundred percent. There, the any any character that has any significance in Rogue One, we should find out why they were so willing to follow Cassian. Melshi, Pal, yeah, anyone who also, went with them. There's one beardy guy. And he's so sexy and <sighs> I don't even know his character's name. And I know all the background characters names in every Star Wars movie, but the sexy beardy guy, he better think, be in it. I think I can picture him. I would hope for your sake. I hope they can find that extra and get him in there. Get him in there. <laughs> get him Start in there. I want to hear his Star Wars story. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, continue back to back to Revels. <laughs> Yeah, back to Revels. Um, yeah, what else in this episode? I mean, it was it was a pretty Kanan, linear Kanan story. Kanan and Hera flirt. Yes, they do. There's a love I like, in there. I like isn't texted there? you immediately. I was you like, did did, did Kanan just call Hera love, or was it the other way around? You did. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think I think that that's in there. That's the first time we really get besides those little YouTube shorts that they did before the show came out. That's really the first time we get a taste of that romance. And like the the fandom was frothing at the mouth, like talking about the space marriage and space. Oh, yeah. They're space married. Uh, hearing Dave Filoni like use fan lingo always cracks me up. He's like, oh, "Yeah, the fans say they're space married, whatever that means." But <laughs> are they in a relationship? I don't know. We'll find out. Just like I Dave Filoni, let them kiss. Let them kiss. They do finally kiss, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then Kim dies right away. Yeah, but yeah. but yeah, we we do get it, and I mean, clearly they held hands at some point. There's <laughs> that's the baby. how babies are made. Yes, yeah, clearly they <laughs> held hands at some point. They have to have. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about the timing of that whole thing. Oh man. But yeah, this uh, this episode's a lot of firsts. It's a launch pad for a lot of things. I kind of wish we would have gotten more R2 and 3PO. Um, a weird fact that I learned is, do you remember the second season episode where there's the gonk droid that is the secret messenger that they have to escort and then it's R2-D2 at the end? Yes, I love every gonk droid. Yes, yeah, same. That was supposed to have been C-3PO. Really? Yeah, but it and it makes sense with like delivering him to R two D two and everything. But I guess it just didn't it didn't flow it, uh, mm. having him that involved in the rebellion and all of that, uh, which I get. But it would have been cool to see him again. Uh, yeah, I was hoping for more of him in Resistance than like one voiceover line where he's not even seen. I didn't even realize it was supposed to be him until the second time I watched that first episode. Yeah, I don't even know if I remember it. 
yeah, he uh, the voice that pages Leia over the mm. or pages Poe over the intercom in the very first episode right at the beginning is supposed to be C three PO. It is Anthony Daniels, but it's so processed wow. he almost yeah yeah. I do think Rebels underutilized the droids. Once they got to Yavin, it would have really made sense to just have them as recurring small yeah characters even in the like Wedge was. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that that would have just given it even more continuity with the films. But but yeah, anything else you would have changed? Not really. It's well paced. You know, it ends, uh, begins where it should and ends where it should. It's a solid story, clear objectives. It's very linear. Yeah, I I don't love Visago. No, but I don't. I don't know if I'd change anything about Visago. Yeah, well, when, so when I watched it the first time, I was frustrated because I didn't see a reason that that shouldn't be Hondo. I mean, now I understand that he would have overshadowed the characters and everything else, and that Visago is Hondo has a heart of gold, and Visago does not. Yeah. And you need Visago for those missions that are too morally gray, even for Hondo. So I get it. Yeah, yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. Um, He's not ever going to be a Star Wars character. And I'm like, oh, Visago's here. Oh, wow. Like, I gotta read, I gotta read that book. Visago's in it. (laughs) But like, not every character needs to be that. No, no. Overall, though, love the episode. I think we get yeah. a lot of really good teamwork. It really feels like Ezra has slid into the team, especially when they're on the Star Tours shuttle and like they're doing like everyone's doing a bit that they don't like know each other, but like they're communicating with hand signals and shit. It's great. Uh, and Ezra has like slid right in. I think my favorite part of the episode is the talk between Hera and Ezra about. Zeb being grumpy and why he is so upset and needs some space. That is an underrated moment for both of those characters. It it shows how Hera is the team mom, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Like, no, typically when a team has a mom, they're the stick in the mud, and they don't let you do the thing, and that's usually. Because people are sexist, and that's yeah. why that's like, oh, it's the team mom. But no, like, Hera is the team mom, and I mean that because she is compassionate and empathetic and able to relate to where the people on her team are. Yes. And she's able to relate to where Zeb is and where Ezra is in this moment of conflict that the two characters are having. And it's great writing, great acting. And I fucking love this show and this family. Yeah, it's very... I mean, like we talked about how the ghost was supposed to be the ideal safe place for kids. Like, Kanan and Hera are what parents should be. Yeah, absolutely. And they just... Yeah, they... She, like you were saying, like her being the team mom is not at all a slight because she's she's so well-written. And there, there are the moments where she does seem to be like the stick in the mud mom, like you said, but it's always 
justified. It's never like, oh, she's boring. She's bogging them down. Like when she won't share the information with Sabine or whatever, or when she's mad at them for sneaking off later in the season. She's definitely like a scolding, angry mom, but it's not, like you said, it's not rooted in sexism. That's, that's just her being a being responsible a leader. leader. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping them safe, like being a parent to these orphans. And she even though Zeb's like 39. <laughs> well, she even does this in Alphabet Squadron. Yes. With a team full of adults and like hardened, hardened killers and stuff. And she is able to do like the same empathetic, compassionate routine. She's holding yeah. them to a much higher standard because they are adults and you know, very, very capable and to some degree scary people, but she's still empathetic and compassionate with them, even though she is holding them to this really high standard. And I loved that we got to see Hera post Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. And even though she has more scars and has been through a whole lot in this conflict, she's still loving and caring and that's her leadership style. Yes. It Alphabet Squadron was so Hera. And if I can be depressing for a little bit, um, how often do you think she looked at Will Lark, the little impressionable brown teenage boy with with big dreams, and then just went to her quarters and cried wondering where Ezra was? Oh, ouch. I'm sorry, but you know that that happened. Yeah, I mean, absolutely it did. Gosh, I love Willark, too. Yeah, same. We are getting a bit off topic, but uh, Rebels well, fans should definitely Well, this is a Star Wars out. television podcast That's where we true, only man. discuss Star Wars television. <laughs> we don't discuss the movies or the Thems books the or the Thems comics. The we only talk about Star Wars TV. Yeah, you gotta, um, you gotta check out Alphabet Squadron. It is. Yeah. And what, if what you're I a thought, Rebels fan, yeah. there's a and lot of good Hera. What's brilliant, I mean, you're probably, you've probably finished Rebels if you're even listening to this, but for people who haven't, I mean, Alphabet Squadron is super accessible. At no point does it spoil anything from the show, which I thought was really cool. This podcast will spoil everything for you. We are a oh, yeah, spoiler we'll, podcast. Oh, God, yeah. Kanan dies, Sabine gets the Darksaber and gives it to Bo-Katan, who becomes the leader of Mandalore. Saw Gerrera does nothing because somebody told him he's in a kid's show. Anyway. And uh, Zeb and Callus get married. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Anyway, I think <laughs> anyway. we're done covering this episode, though. Like, nothing, I think so, too. Nothing yeah, I'd really change. Lot. Nothing you'd really change. No, not really. I don't love the Zago. I like his droids. Oh, yeah. I do like They're his droids. Great. They are, aren't they the, the Ralph McQuarrie concept for IG-88? Yeah, they're the IG-1000, I think. I might have that number wrong, but they are an IG droid. They are... Aha, they are um, the IG-RM for either Ralph McQuarrie or Ryan Miarelli. I haven't been able to get a straight answer on that. They don't answer my telephone yeah, calls. that's tough. <laughs> Star Wars Explained just did a video on every Canon IG droid. Oh, that's so cool. There's, there's that on YouTube. Hey, Alex. Hey, Molly. Come guest on our podcast? Please. Please? You know but, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we 
overall, great, great freaking episode. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so how do we how do we sign out, Ryan? What do we say? Let's end it like Darth Maul. Let's do our best Kenobi. Ready? Our best Kenobi. All right. Three. Uh, at the same time? Three. Two. two one. one. Kenobi! <laughs> there we go. That I think yours good. was better than mine, but that's, that's where <laughs> we ended. I don't know. Sit. Yours was good. All right, that's where we end it. <laughs> All right. This Goodbye, is everyone. First Friends Rewatch. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> sorry. We're sorry for spiking so the sorry. I'm so sorry. Good morning. Good morning.